2: What's going on, everybody? This is Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Galton of BleedingGreenNation.com. You are listening to
1: EGN Radio episode number. Brandon? I don't even know. What is it? 167. Jimmy, Thank you we made for it that. 167. Also, want to plug our Twitter handles at the start. That's Jimmy Kemsky, at Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter. I'm um, Brandon Galton, at Brandon Galton on Twitter, if you want to drag me for some reason. Uh, not that that's a popular thing to do these days on Twitter, but if you in case you just wanted to have that option, uh, there you go. Speaking of which, I actually read the BGN Radio reviews for the
2: first time ever after being on the show for 16 months, something like that. Way to really care about what the fans <laughs> think of you, Jimmy. <laughs> well, I just – I don't know. I just – I just never read them and uh I read them and they're better than I thought they would be. They're mostly people are nice on there and people mm. love them some uh Ben Solak I learned uh,
1: in reading over the reviews. Uh but anyway, uh Brandon, how you doing, buddy? Jimmy, uh let's get into some Eagles talk. That's what we do here, right? On this podcast. Where do we start? Well, I mean, we are you going are we going to start with righteous Fallon? Oh, that <laughs> uh totally forgot. <laughs> I feel like, for some reason, it's only been, what, a week since we podcasted last, And for some reason, it feels like an eternity to me. Um, Righteous Felon, craft Jerky. No Dan Klausner on this week. A lot of people enjoyed both of his guest appearances. I saw an iTunes review that didn't, though. So not unanimously favorite. But if you want to help support Dan... If you want to help support BGN Radio, want to help support a local business and get yourself some snacks. I mean, the big game, Jimmy, is this weekend. The big game. You got to get some snacks for the big game. And you can do that by going to RightToSelling.com and using discount code BGN15. That's RightToSelling.com, discount code BGN15. All
2: right. So let's get into uh, Eagles news. We hadn't yet uh, podcasted. uh, Actually, I guess we published our last podcast the morning of or the day before. The initial Nick Sirianni press conference, I didn't have too many major takeaways. We didn't really answer many of the questions that uh, the media had. Obviously, he got asked a lot about uh, Carson Wentz. It seemed to be under strict instruction not to answer anything <laughs> of, of substance in that regard. Uh, some people were annoyed at, uh, at the number of Carson Wentz questions. But the big takeaway, I think, from the press conference was that he didn't come off well as a public speaker um which was obvious and uh you know whether that matters or not
1: uh is i guess in the eye of the beholder where you stand on that of all the issues to me with the eagles (laughs) which there are many i don't think it cracks my top 10 it is a non-issue to me for the most part um especially if that's not reflective of who he is you know when he talks to the team i think that matters a little bit more i think a lot of is being made of it and it just doesn't even matter. The biggest takeaway for me from the press conference, I guess, is what Nick Sirianni did not say, and that is everything regarding the quarterback position. I mean, he wouldn't even commit to Carson Wentz definitely being on the roster this year. That was my bigger takeaway.
2: For sure. Yeah. I mean, as far as the public speaking part goes, it was also like just a really difficult set up for him too like jeffrey Lurie. first of all talked for like over 15 an minutes. hour boring as hell i was literally like nodding i like not no exaggeration i was like nodding off listening to it and he finally you know uh handed it over to to sirianni and um uh, sirianni had a long intro of his own that was probably a little bit unnecessary like all the thank you for the family and all that stuff all that's all fine Uh, But I think he could have gotten into the stuff that he actually talked about during his intro, uh, during the questioning, during the Q&A part of that. Like, certainly a question was going to come along where he could have, you know, gone through those, you know, his five core principles or whatever. Um, And then when the questions began, like I said, he just didn't really answer anything. But, like, he's basically standing at the lectern looking at a monitor of all boxes of these faces that are firing off questions. And it's probably just him. And maybe, like, I don't know what the setup was in the audit- it was It was in the Eagles Eagles auditorium. But I don't know who it was. Like, it was just, like, one camera guy there. Just a weird, awkward setup for uh, a press conference. Not natural in any way. So I can understand where he was not going to come off <laughs> super well in that scenario. But, again, like you said, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm sure he's a lot more comfortable in front of players than he was in that setting. And, I, like you said, like, I mean, top ten. It's not even, like, my top 30 of the the Eagles issues uh, heading into 2021. So uh, let's move past that. I guess, you know, you mentioned the biggest thing was what he said, or really more accurately what he didn't say about Carson Wentz. And there is Carson Wentz news as of Wednesday morning, maybe not news necessarily, but um, an update, I guess, on the Carson Wentz saga, in which this wasn't a report necessarily, but Adam Schefter went on 97.5, The Fanatic, and course, got asked questions about Carson Wentz. And Schefter said not only that he thinks Wentz will get traded, but he reiterated that Wentz still wants out, uh, even after the hiring of Sirianni and his and the and this and the new staff that the Eagles have
1: begun to assemble. Your thoughts on that, Brandon? Yeah, so I kind of forgot that Schefter actually said he doesn't believe Wentz will be back uh back in January. I think before Doug Peterson was fired after the season, but before Doug was gone, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, so I kind of forgot about that. Um, So this isn't like totally new sentiment coming from him. But where the sentiment comes from, I think, is important to talk about. Like, this isn't Adam Schefter just blindly guessing. Like, I know he said if he had to guess if Wentz would be traded, he would guess that he would. But, like, that guess is coming from information that he is hearing. Like, he is basing that guess on something. It's not just, like, uh, throwing darts at a dartboard. It's not, like, totally random. And where he's getting it from, based on what he's saying, is that the Eagles don't want to trade Carson Wentz. And I think we kind of all know that in terms of, like, they're not looking to get rid of him at any cost, right? Like, everyone, I think everyone knows that, agrees that. They're not, like, trying to just dump him uh, for pennies on the dollar. Um, But – He did say they're open to moving him, and I think they are. And the other thing he said is Carson Wentz does not want to be here. Like that – and I I just don't understand, Jimmy, how people possibly like are just so in denial about that possibility. It's everything that's been reported. It goes back to when he was benched. I think that was the catalyst for him not wanting to be here because what did you see? The week after Carson Wentz was benched for Jalen Hurts, and, or it was even the week of really, I think, when, you know, the report came out, um, before the Saints game, uh, that, you know, Carson Wentz, if he's not going to continue to be the starter and Jalen Hurts just continue to be the starter, he wants out. And it seems like that is really the, the inciting incident. I mean, when you look at Jeff McLean's report on what went wrong, what, what, what went wrong with Carson Wentz last season within that report, he had talked about whence had gone to Laurie and Roseman after he was benched to complain about being benched. And I just think his silence is notable. I got so much pushback, Jimmy, for pointing out that Carson Wentz hasn't welcomed Nick Sirianni on Twitter. Which, look, that could be nothing, but... When you look at his history, like he's welcomed like everyone to Twitter in the uh, like or everyone to Philly on Twitter in the past, like Marquel Foltz, Bryce Harper, uh, <laughs> every free agent signing, like he like everyone. Yeah, so Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a little bit noticeable to me or notable that he didn't do it in this case with a new head coach. That seems significant. I'm not saying it means everything, but it seemed when you put all of this together, I just don't know how you can be in denial that Carson Wentz seemingly wants out. You also had Albert Breer earlier this week saying that uh, Carson Wentz what was the exact phrasing. It's like, isn't too pleased to be in Philly. So I think that's where it stands right now. I think Carson Wentz wants out. So, uh, I mean, it'd be really easy for Wentz to just say, "I mean, just
2: one line on Twitter." I want to be in Philly, <laughs> like, in like five words, uh, you know. So, like, and if you know, and, and I like, I guess the uh, the argument would be, well, anything that he says is going to be turned against him. So,
1: whatever, I mean, you may as well. See That's so eyes. stupid, though. <laughs> uh, just say it, though. Like, but, if, but, if, okay. but here's the thing. I want to stop down there for a sec because if he really did want to be here, Jimmy, if Carson Wentz absolutely really did want to be here, wouldn't he still say it if he did? no, Maybe knowing that everyone wouldn't believe it, but at least he would like have his peace knowing that's out there in the world. Hey, I want to be here. And if people don't want to believe it, well, that's up to them, but I'm going to say it. Right. So and I don't want to hear it's this no-win situation. Even if he didn't
2: say it, if it were true that he wanted to be here – for sure, at least his representation would put it out there, whether it be directly or through, uh, you know, a high-profile media person like a Schefter or Mortensen or Rappaport or Breer or or Garoppolo, Garoppolo <laughs> Mike Garoppolo or whoever. I would put it out to somebody that says he wants to be here, and that has not happened. So, I mean, my takeaway is it's true, but also like Chris Mortensen and Adam Schefter – Pretty reputable reporters, like they're not just making stuff up for the hell of it. Like, if they say it, then it's very more than likely uh, true. And and I do I do believe that he wants to be uh, out of Philadelphia and somewhere else. So, what is your temperature check here? Uh, Where do you stand on whether he
1: will uh, be traded or not? How do you keep a quarterback who doesn't want to be here? Like, how do you do that? Not should
2: will will he be back?
1: But that's part of the equation to me. It's like how how do they like. And the other thing is like – and I get it plays into the shoot of it, but it's like how can you even want a quarterback who you have to convince to be on the team? Like that is so wrong. Like, that is so flawed, especially when I know this organization has failed him in ma- in many ways and we've talked about that here before. But they've also tried to support him in a lot of ways and it's not like they haven't done anything for him and they gave him a freaking hundred and million extension. Like, like he has that many reasons to want to be here uh, or at least put up with an unideal situation. I just think in terms, if he really doesn't want to be here, and look, maybe he's not fully decided, whatever. Uh, I guess that's possible. Maybe things can change. Maybe they can kind of talk him off the ledge, so to speak. But if he does not want to be here, I just don't see like how that's tenable. What about you? So um,
2: I think he's going to be back. <laughs> and, uh, and the way it's going to happen, I think, is I think the Eagles are going to want too much for him. They're not going to get it. And they're not going to trade them. Like so, I think the Eagles are certainly more than willing to trade them, and I think they want, in fact, to trade them. And I'm sure they're trying to make that happen behind the scenes. But uh, ultimately, like you said earlier, uh, they're not just going to trade them for nothing. And I don't know that um, you know ad- in what what they would view as adequate compensation is going to um, be put on the table by some other team, given the you know, extreme number of quarterbacks that seem to be available this offseason. We already saw the Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff trade, which we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, But like, I mean, there are plenty of options. And then, of course, you got like four quarterbacks who could conceivably go top 10 in the NFL draft. So, yeah, I I just find it kind of hard to believe that they're going to get really good compensation in return. They're going to be stuck with them. And I think they are just going to and I think like, you know, you mentioned like, how do you bring a guy back that doesn't want to be here? and convince him to come back well i think the maybe not the word i wouldn't say that this would be a convincing argument for the eagles but they could certainly go to his representation and say yo dude look like the highest you know offer that we got for him was a third round pick and we're just not going to do that maybe your client just isn't worth what you guys think he's worth so come back and you know suck it up and improve your value and we'll try to maybe get ready and we'll try to maybe trade you in a year or so. But uh, ultimately, I, I don't think that that trade compensation is coming. And uh, I think they're going to be stuck with him. And of course, if they're stuck with him in 2021, it also means that his uh, salary is basically going to be guaranteed in 2022 as well. So uh, I am of the buckle in for, any, I'll, I'll contrast uh, uh, Adam Scheffer here, and I'm, I'm on the uh, Wentz will
1: be uh, an Eagle again this year. I do agree in the sense of his market. Just seems it seems so hard to gauge. Like, what is Carson Wentz even worth? Because you have people out here like Daniel Jeremiah saying like, "Oh, GMs would still love to have him." They're like, "Wow, really? He's available?" But like, Gen- Daniel Jeremiah is also really good friends with Howie Roseman. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder how much is right. is that. And I also just like I don't know. I think well, teams in fairness, are kinda- Daniel Jeremiah before the season
2: began, if you recall, like he put out who he thought were his top ten quarterbacks in the NFL, and he went yep. to, like number three, was it? It was, it was high. He was very high. I think he was number three on his list. So I think Daniel Jeremiah also sort of has something of um like a
1: he's like a Dan Or he's like in the Dan Orlovsky camp
2: where he likes Wentz maybe a little bit more than everybody
1: else does. So I get that. Um so a couple questions for you are kind of things I want to think about. Um if Carson Wentz I think where this line of reporting, if it is true that he really wants out, that's so concerning in terms of when you look at like the belief in that this player can be re- rejuvenated, because I think like in a vacuum, Carson Wentz can be fixed, but not if he doesn't want to be fixed and right. not if he thinks he's part of the problem. And I think his actions so far have demonstrated that he doesn't think he was part of the problem or like that he doesn't think he deserves to be benched, which he absolutely did unquestionably, like not a single doubt. Like that isn't, that is so crazy to me. And that's a big part of why. I am out on Carson Wentz really after previously being in on him for a long time. Like I just have no faith in someone who doesn't seemingly like think they really need to be fixed in a major way. So a concern there. And then the other thing is that uh, does like a quarterback competition even make sense here? Like I was trying to think about this more today. Like so you just keep him as a backup if he loses. Like you're really going to do that? And then his value only gets lower. And then what are you going to do then? Like I just I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's the.
2: That's the doomsday scenario in which you know you keep him and he legitimately loses a quarterback competition. And if we can just go back to Jalen Hurts for a second, I think that his comments are like sort of the reverse of the the actions that we're perceiving anyway from from Carson Wentz. What was how was that this question? I'll, I'll read Jalen Hurts' response. But how was this question posed? I know that you wrote about it or at least linked to it. I think he was asked
1: about like. Uh, who's the starter going to be? Basically,
2: okay. So he here's how Jalen Hurts <laughs> responded to that. Uh, I'm putting the work in on my end. I'm trying to put in relationships with my guys. I'm trying. I'm just trying to take the next step, regardless of what's what. I'm challenging myself to be the best quarterback I can be. Learn from my mistakes as a team. Learn from my mistakes last year. Those four games, I got the opportunity to get my feet wet and take off next year. So the takeaway from that, you know, I see there is that he is acknowledging that he wasn't great. He doesn't say that exactly, but he says, you know, learn from my mistakes. (laughs) Like you really, like you hear like Carson Wentz kind of say similar things, I guess, like after games are over. But in terms of like him sort of reflecting on his season as a whole or his career as a whole, you never really hear him sort of uh, talk negatively about himself or that he has to um, be better in the same way that Hurts just did there. So I think that, and I'll a quick aside here too, I guess like some of the reporting that I've seen or some of the reporting that's going to be coming out soon is that uh, um, Wentz basically lives in the coach's offices trying to you mean get better. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Hertz basically lives in the coach's offices, like trying to get better and better and better every day. And that sort of is the opposite of what. I don't know if you know Wentz was that way earlier in his career, but it's not reportedly what he has been over the last few years. So I think what you have here is a very hungry quarterback. That's the number two quarterback, I guess, or the, the way that we would perceive their sort of depth chart right now. You have a guy in Jalen hurts who's doing everything that he can to be the best quarterback that he can be. And you have the, the other who's maybe a little bit delusional about,
1: how he has played, especially in this past year, but maybe even beyond that. I think you hit the nail on the head there, Jimmy. I I think if you could take Carson Wentz's physical talent and combine it with Jalen Hurts's not just hunger, but humble, like humbleness. I think that is such a huge factor. And I always say that was such a big part, I think, between the Wentz and Foles dynamic. Like, Foles... Was just running the offense that the coaches wanted him to run, basically. Like, and and they were, you know, coaching up to his strengths. Whereas Carson has been so like involved in the offense, and I think um, for a quarterback to just be humble. In the way that Hurts is, um, you're seeing that stark contrast from Wentz. I don't think it's that Carson Wentz is lazy. Like, I don't want to. I don't want. I don't want that to be the takeaway here because I like Carson Wentz works hard. These are these guys are professional athletes. They work hard, but I think Carson Wentz works hard on his terms. Like he knows what's that's, best. That's the way so, to put it. Yes, and that's a problem. That's like that's that's the thing. That's the pushback I get too when. Like I mentioned, I don't know if he wants to be fixed. And people are like, of course he does. Well, yeah, he wants to be good. No one's denying that. But I don't think he wants to do it in a way that he might be uncomfortable with or how someone else tells him to do it. He wants to do it his way. And I don't think that's how he gets fixed by doing it his way. I think it's by uh, being humbled and accepting hard coaching. And Jalen Hurts wants to take that. And look, that's not everything because Jalen Hurts might have that attitude and that's great, but... The physical limitations might be, you right. know, he still debilitating. Might not be good for all we know. Yeah, so like that's a problem too. I'm not saying that fixes everything. Ideally, you want both, and it doesn't seem like the Eagles have both right now. So that's that's part of the problem. All right, so moving on, just real quick in uh, general
2: NFL news, big trade. Um, when did that happen? What day was that? Sunday. Or Sunday Saturday night. night into Sunday. Saturday night into Sunday. I woke up. I, I didn't know anything about it. I woke up. I saw it, and I was like, what is this? Said, Freaking like, old man. I missed that. I was like, my grandpa hours, uh, my grandpa's sleep hours, that is. Uh, anyway, um, Jared Goff is heading to Detroit. Uh, more importantly, Matthew Stafford is heading to L.A. to play for the Rams. Uh, a pair of first-round picks are going from L.A. to Detroit in addition to a third-round pick. The Rams, uh <laughs> the last time they made a first round pick was when they took Goff in twenty sixteen and they won't and they won't have a first round pick again unless they trade up into the first round until uh twenty twenty three, I guess it would be. So they're gonna go through a long stretch without making a first round pick. Anyway, uh obviously the uh, big takeaway here is that the NFL views Matthew Stafford as a far, far better quarterback than Jared Goff. But uh in terms of this trade, do you do you make any? Do you have any takeaways in terms of uh, how it uh, could affect uh, the
1: Eagles and Wentz and their potential ability to trade him? So, not really. Although the Colts seemed like an obvious destination or contender for Stafford, and they're not mm-hmm. anymore, obviously. So that's still open. Although I don't even know if Frank Quake wants Carson Wentz because so that that question has been mm-hmm. raised. Um, I will say though, Jimmy, it did make me think about like. How Carson Wentz has been worse than Jared Goff. And yet the Eagles might feel like totally content to keep him while the Rams are like, Hey, this isn't good enough. We need to do better than this. Um, and to back that up, Jimmy, I mean, you're talking since 2017, uh, Jared Goff has a better completion percentage, yards per attempt, more touchdowns, uh, better passer rating. He has fewer rushing yards, but he has seven fewer fumbles in 10 more games than Carson Wentz has. That's a big thing. And obviously hasn't been great in the playoffs, like an 80 or 79.9 pass rating, but he, he did win two playoff games. Um, or was it three? Uh, three, I guess. Um, and he's also two years younger than Carson Wentz, which is something to keep in mind as well in terms of de- player development. Um, and so I just think like that's, a, that's just interesting to think about, like not settling for good enough. And that's the... One thing I keep thinking about with Wentz in terms of, like, can you fix him? Okay, let's say the answer to that question is yes. But what does that mean in terms of being fixed? Like, can he be fixed to the point where he's the 2017 player again? Because that's a hard sell when you look at that year and it kind of is really the outlier in his career. I mean, this is a guy who is 17 and 21 and 1 since after the ACL injury. He was 14 and 13 in the two seasons before this terrible season. If you want to look at his PFF grade, which is not gospel, but just to give you a sense uh from their perspective, I mean, he was 21st best quarterback in his rookie season. Then he was fifth in his best season, 2017, and then 14th, 14th, and then 31st last year. So this isn't a guy who has been regularly some elite quarterback. So like, even if you're fixing him in today's NFL, which seems increasingly like if you don't have the guy like how are you going to beat Patrick Mahomes the Carson Wentz basically like is is like what i keep thinking about cuz that's what you might have to do really to win another super bowl and so when i look at this trade in in like the prism of don't settle for good enough try to upgrade if you can it just kind of makes me wonder like like about the eagles just kind of settling
2: yeah i don't have a problem with that take um the the one thing that I would say in terms of you know how does the how does the Stafford Goff trade affect the Eagles is I don't really think it affects them. I mean you mentioned you mentioned like all the uh, you know Goff has had better stats than Wentz of course, but um, when I when you just look at the skill sets of those two players, like Wentz is clearly a more talented, skilled uh, traits type of player. He's bigger, stronger. He's got a better arm. He can do more with his feet. I would say I'd give Goff uh, sort of a, an edge on on accuracy, but I think that when you just look at those two quarterbacks side by side, it's pretty clear to see, like, you know, one guy has far more upside than the other, and that's Wentz. Like, I think we just kind of know what Goff is by now. Like, there isn't much of a ceiling there, whereas in theory, uh, Wentz could be, uh, you know, a very good quarterback again, of course. Um, the mental side of it is going to have to come, and he's going to have to sort of get over some of these like a lot of things that, we, that we've that we already kind of talked about and won't go over again. But uh, so as far as Wentz's trade value, I wouldn't look at the Goff situation and go, well, they basically had to throw in an extra first round pick just to get rid of him. First of all, the Eagles aren't, like we mentioned, Eagles aren't just going to do that. The Eagles aren't going to just get rid of him to get rid of him. Um, so in that sense, I don't think that trade means anything to, to the Eagles. Uh, it really, it only takes one team. Like if one team really likes Wentz and what he can do or what they think he can do in their system – then maybe they'll have interest and maybe they'll throw the Eagles a decent package of whatever to convince them to trade them. Uh, But as far as like saying Goff has, and I'm not saying you said this, but I've seen this out there where like Goff has had better stats the last few years. Uh, Ergo, the Eagles are going to have to pony up picks just to get rid of them. Like, I don't see that at all. I think think Wentz
1: is uh, the more valuable quarterback to other teams around the league. Speaking of decent packages, Jimmy, righteousfelon.com. <laughs> Get yourself a package of righteous felon craft jerky. Bunch of different flavors to check out. It's the perfect snack for the big game. Or look, even after the season, I mean, what are you going to do? Um, or watching, you know, the sixers, let's say. But I mean, it is the official, uh, for, well, it's the official, I, I shouldn't get myself in trouble here. Say it's the official, uh, to Felon, or it's the fr- official craft jerky of the Eagles, but it is one they use, and it is the official craft jerky of BGN radio. So, uh, they do have that going for them, and you can get some yourself, and you can check out more about it again by going to righteousfelon.com, using discount code BGN15. That's Bleeding Green Nation, the BGN15 for 15% off. And we will be back after this. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 127. Jimmy, let's play some stay or go with the Eagles offense.
2: We'll start with the offense. We'll do the defense maybe next episode. Uh, We already covered Wentz. Mm -hmm. We won't go down that path again. Well, just real
1: quick, stay or go. Uh, I have a saying,
2: yeah, as I mentioned before. I'm going to say go. Okay. Uh, Jalen Hurts. Anyway, he's not on the team next year.
1: Um, The only way I would see it is if, like, that's Carson Wentz's demand. Like – and he gets his way once again. He's like, imagine "Look, that. imagine that, and then Hertz is good somewhere else." Well, I mean, the way the organization has catered to him, and the way <laughs> that um, I think that's, I think that's the only thing that might be salvageable for him is like, "Look, if you get rid of him, then fine, I'll be back."
2: Yeah, I mean, that's not going to happen, but but I, I do see that as like sort of the only path to Hertz not being here. So I'm with you there.
1: All right, how about unstoppable uh, Sud? Well, I think something interesting (laughs) about this dynamic is that Carson Wentz and Nate Sudfeld share the same agent. And I think that could be a relevant factor in terms of another, like, Carson Wentz kind of getting his way thing. But, I mean, if we're talking about should, it should obviously be go. I mean, he's been here for what? Like, since the beginning of 2017 now? And, I mean, no, he shouldn't be here. The only thing he has, he had or has for
2: sure going for him not has anymore, but he was, you know, he's been in the system for four years. That's all he had. Like he knew yep. the offense. It's it. Now new system. He does not. He doesn't have that in his favor anymore. And uh, yeah, I can't see any way that he's back. I mean, certainly he's not going
1: to be back at what was his salary over two million last year. I can see the Colts uh, sign him. Frank Reich liked him. Sure, Nate Sudfeld. Yeah, not sure. as a starter, you know, but right. like a, you know, back two,
2: yeah, a three maybe. But uh, I mean, he he doesn't have that going for him anymore here. So gone. Uh, all right, running back, uh Miles uh, Miles Austin. Miles Sanders and Boston. Go. <laughs> <laughs> it was, that, was a mi- that was a mix of Miles uh and Boston. That, I mm. Boston written that's so I said and it came out Miles Austin, who of course is also <laughs> a person. Uh Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, they will both be back. Boston Scott will be an an exclusive rights free agent, which means that you can basically pay him nothing and retain his rights. And then anyone? You got any any other running back coming
1: back that was on the team? Uh, Jason Huntley will be back in camp, okay. I imagine. Um, fine with that. Well, yeah, Miles back Austin, in camp.
2: Though, yeah, back in camp, but uh, yeah,
1: d- cracking the roster next year. Um, Corey Clement shouldn't <laughs> slash won't be um, Miles Austin. By the way, Jimmy, I think he's the wide receivers coach now on uh, Robert Sala's staff for the okay. Jets. So, uh, so there you go. Um, and obviously, Sanders back. All
2: right. Uh, yeah, I would say Huntley is is probably the. Is, is the guy that would have the best chance of returning and getting a roster. I think I had him as a stay in my stay and go series. It's like the number four running back. I think they need to find their number three running back. Holyfield
1: is still around too, but yeah.
2: yeah. Mm. I mean, he even had like kind of like an okay-ish camp and they just didn't, I mean, he's just like, he ran through tackles and stuff, but I mean, not even tackles really like thud drills. So like, you can't even like really credit him for running through tackles. But uh, anyway, wide receiver, uh Alshon and Deshaun uh, are both going to be gone, almost certainly. Uh, Alshon, for sure, is going to be gone. Deshaun, we assume, is going to be gone. <laughs> like if he took a massive pay cut, maybe, but I don't see that. And then uh, Rager, of course, will definitely be back. But what about uh, Ward, Travis Fulgham, JJ, Quez,
1: Hightower? So we'll go through a rapid fire right quick. Greg Ward. I want this- point out that greg ward had the lowest yards per reception of any (laughs) wide receiver in the nfl last year (laughs) other than 37 year old larry fitzgerald so ideally would look to do better there but as a backup as someone who's cheap stay yeah i mean he's gonna make the roster again
2: um but like this draft is absolutely loaded with specifically slot receiver types i'd be shocked if the Eagles don't come away with at least one, well, I mean, not at least, but with one slot receiver uh, in this draft, because there's somebody's many like, there's going to be guys that uh, wind up going in rounds later than they otherwise would, because there's so many of them.
1: Uh, Travis Wollum. Uh Stay. Stay. Uh, JJ, Artega Whiteside. They're going to, they're going to Nick Sirianni, the wide receiver whisperer, Jimmy, they're going to revive his career. See, he's going to be back. You know that, right? Because like,
2: the one question that really raised my eyebrows. So the one answer to the question was that uh, Sirianni said, "You know how he would have control over the 53, and he thought that he, he, believed, <laughs> he believes he believes that uh, he'll that he is in Nick Sirianni will have uh, control over who uh, is active on game day." Now, just to for the for the listeners, I actually asked that question, and I asked it that way as far as who will have control over the 53 and the 47 or 48 or whatever you want to call it, as opposed to normally you would, the way you would ask that question is who has control over the 90 man roster and the 53 man roster. The 90 man roster basically means like who's in charge, who gets like the last say on all personnel decisions. So Chip had that in the, in, during the 2015 season, like he had full control over the roster. Um, obviously, Sirianni was not going to have that, so I didn't even bother asking that aspect of it. I just asked the 53. Most coaches have control over the 53, meaning that they um, have final say over who makes the final roster. Like, if you've seen hard knocks enough, you see basically the coaching staff sitting around the table figuring out who's going to make the 53 and less so, like, GMs sort of deciding that. So most coaches kind of have that, and then almost every coach has control over who's active on game day. Sirianni does not have control of the 53. Neither did Doug, by the way, and Sirianni may or may not have control over the you know the game day roster, which, again, with Doug, may or may not either. But I, I guess I'm going a long way to make the point that Harry Roseman drafted J.J. Ortega-Whiteside in the second round, and he has control over who makes the roster. So I think the chances that JJ or Whiteside are on the roster again are quite high because they're not, Howie Roseman's just not going to admit defeat on that so quickly. Uh, <laughs> Quez Day. By the way, well, before we go, before we move on to Quez, do you see any way they try JJ at tight end?
1: No. Okay.
2: See, I don't think that's crazy. Like, that's a question I get a lot. and Normally, that's the kind of question I would dismiss. But, you know, you bulk him up a little bit. He's kind of got like some of those. Tight end. I mean, he's a willing blocker. He's he's you know he's okay at blocking. If he's just not going to make it as a receiver, maybe you try him there. But I'm with you. They probably won't do that. (laughs) All right, Quez. Yeah, stay. Yeah, stay clearly.
1: Uh, And John Hightower. I think he might not be on the team this year. Okay. He fell out of favor at the end of last season, and he's older in terms of like prospect wise. And they're going to draft new players. And he was a day three pick last year. There's no guarantee. Right. He's uh you know be on the you know they they can't in camp, but. I don't think he's going to make the roster. I think he's back. Uh,
2: okay. Tight end. Percentage chance Zach Ertz returns to the roster? Zero. Zero?
1: You're not even like 1%? Jimmy, the uh, the babes on Broad had Nick Ertz, Zach, uh, Zach Ertz's younger brother, on mm-hmm. uh, a couple weeks ago. And the way he was talking was like pretty definitive <laughs> about okay. uh, Zach Ertz not being back. And I think everything we've seen from Zach Ertz has been pretty like...
2: He was crying I mean, during his was,
1: last press conference
2: he was I don't mean was, that, that know, don't him. mean sound like a jerk I like I I, I think the emotional. proper the proper way to phrase that Zach Zekker's got emotional during his final press conference but he was you know sort of you know going over his, his time in Philadelphia he said the Philadelphia fans are the best fans ever started getting choked up but yeah I mean the way that press conference went clearly he he is he seemed pretty certain that his career here is over
1: and you talked about how they're probably going to have to cut him just because of the Eagles needing to get under the cap and uh, they can't do that you know by trading him
2: right so you you can't, you have to get under the cap by the start of the new league year also you can't trade players until after the new league year begins so like you officially yeah. You, yeah you can't right so you can't you can't execute that trade until after the so like the Stafford Goff trade for example that hasn't happened yet that'll happen officially after the new league year begins so they can't save any money until after the new league year, which is when they have to be under the cap by, and it's not like like those like you have to be under the cap before the new league year. Then the new year, league year happens, and then a trade can happen. So it's not like those things can happen simultaneously. Like so, any savings that you're going to get with trading or cutting him have to happen and, uh, before the new league year. So yeah, they're, I, I think they're going to not only move on from Zach Ertz, but they ain't getting anything in return from him either. Like they're not even going to, and his value, like he doesn't have any value at 8.25 million would be what his salary would be next year for any team that trades for him. And you also got to give something up to get him as well. And I just don't think he's worth that coming off the season that he just had. Uh, He's clearly a player in decline. He's getting older and now he has sort of an extensive injury history that is building up. I don't think they're getting anything for him. And I've seen like people think that he's going to get like a two, like was might get like a two for him. I think that's totally out of the question, much less a three, four, five or six. I don't think they're getting anything at all for him. They're just going to cut him and he'll be, and he'll help he'll help some team next year as, you know, sort of like a, a seasoned rat running tight end, but it's not, you know, again, they're just not going to get anything for him. Anything, you think uh, Dick Rod is back? <laughs> uh, I'm going to say no. Okay. Uh, I think he's back. I think they're going to, I think, well, Goddard will be back. If you look at the Colts roster, Colts had four tight ends in, uh, 20, in 2020. So it's, I think they're going to be heavy here on tight ends and, uh, they'll only have two in Goddard and Dickrod and in Dickrod, you're going to get a guy that's going to come back on a veteran minimum, minimum contract in theory. And it's just a position that like, they can kind of not worry about right now. They can fill that. Like, there's a tight end that comes up in the draft and he's he's high up on your board. And Yeah, go ahead and draft him and he's your two. But even then, I think there's a decent chance that Rodgers is back uh, just because they're going to... I mean, it'll be a rare
1: older player that they bring back just for competence reasons. They also have the two projects at tight end in Hakeem Butler mm-hmm. moving from wide receiver. And then Tyree Jackson, who is moving from quarterback to tight end, maybe kind of like can have a similar path to uh, Logan Thomas. O.T., offensive tackle. Any chance JP is back? There's always a chance. Yes. 100, <laughs> there, I mean, not 100%. as a 100% chance <laughs> it's going to happen. Like, There's at least a 1% chance he could be back because he is, quote unquote, best friend so with the owner. And he kind of gets his way. Yeah. Um, now, he did kind of acknowledge in that interview, he said we when he was talking about uh, the Eagles, but he also kind of acknowledged, too, that like he doesn't really think he is going to be back with them. But I'd say greater than 0% chance.
2: He said he wants to play again, and if no other teams have interest in him at all, which is certainly possible, and he still wants to play, and August comes around and the Eagles aren't totally loving what they like it. Any number of different positions on their offensive line, or someone gets hurt, right? I mean, I, w- <laughs> I wouldn't totally uh, put it past them to bring them back, which would be absolutely just, just <laughs> ridiculous, like crazy. Um, this isn't necessarily stay or go because they're both going to be back. Andre Eller will be back. Jordan Mailata will be back. What, how do you like a competition? Do you think? Uh, and we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Maybe a little more like a, you know, mini camp, OTA, training camp discussion. But do you think that's going to actually be a fair competition or do you think it'll be skewed in favor of Dillard for the reasons that I gave previously about like J.J. Ortega Whiteside maybe being back and how he having control over the roster?
1: I think Dillard will be the starter there. I think Maelotta should be. Yeah, I'm, I'm
2: with you there. And also, like, I think another thing that they'll probably say is that, you know, Dillard's a left tackle. Uh, Jordan Maelotta can play both sides. So the, they're going to be they're, they're going to well I mean he did pl- he did play both sides he was more competent at right tackle than Dillard yeah. was for sure um, but also
1: he's much better at left tackle than he was at right tackle
2: yes but but I think they're going to they're going to kind of hold his you know that I mean his <laughs> versatility has more versatility than Dillard and they're going to hold that my they're going to hold that against Mialata which is like totally unfair to him <laughs> all right quick uh, quick draft aside here Sewell the. How do you say his first name? Do you have any idea? Penne? Penai. Penai. Su- Sewell, uh, offensive tackle from Oregon, who many believe is like you know one of the best offensive tackles, uh, one, one of the best offensive tackle prospects that is to come out in like a long time. If he's there at six, you have Diller and you have Mylata, and you have Lane Johnson at right tackle. Of course, Jack Driscoll is a backup there. You got a lot of offensive tackles. You take him? So I saw Solak doesn't even think necessarily like he's the best tackle. So Daniel Jeremiah also has, like, uh, I forget his name, but the Northwestern uh, offensive tackle. His name is escaping me right now. Uh, Slater. Rashawn Slater, I think it is. Um, he had him as the number one. Is that who Solak had the number one,
1: too? I think so, yeah. So, no. I'm going to say no, just because um, I think you have to hope that, I know hope isn't a strategy, but between Dillard and Mylada, I think you have to, like, reasonably plan for one of those guys to work out, at least. in I mean, it obviously depends who, too. Who's on the board? Like, am I passing up Jamar Chase for Sewell? No. Let's say
2: Chase is gone and Devonte Smither is
1: gone, and you're, not um, drafting, and you're not drafting a quarterback, and you can't trade out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Then yeah, possibly at that point, but I might just still go corner. Okay. All
2: right. Uh, interior offensive line. Uh, you don't know if Kelsey's retiring. Neither do I. Nobody else does. He should. He. I mean, I wouldn't want to come back to the Eagles. I mean, if he wants to play, if he still wants to play, if he still wants to play, I think he's actually sort of like a low possibility trade candidate if but. he just wants to play another year, but you can't trade him until yes. after June one because it'll it'll cost more to trade him than it will to just keep him. And if you trade him, like it's actually decent savings for now. You got to pay the bill later in future years. but um, yeah, they would have to wait until after June 1st to be able to do that. So if he stays on the roster, like if he says he's going to play another year, like a trade isn't coming until after June 1. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, like the speculation will begin when he says he's coming back for another year uh, on, on, a, on a possible trade. Because why would you want to come back? Like Jeffrey Laura already pretty much said during his press conference, like, you know, we're not going to be – they didn't say these words necessarily, but basically alluded to the idea that they're not going to be competitive in 2021. If you're Jason Kelsey, you have your own, the owner of the team saying, like, you don't expect to be competitive this year. And we all kind of know, like, what his feeling was on tanking games at the end of the year. Like, it didn't matter at the end of the year. Uh, we already kind of know. I think we can kind of, like,
1: assume what his feeling is going to be about
2: playing for this team next year.
1: Yeah, I think he should retire or, you know, request a trade, whatever, if he wants to keep. I just don't understand why he's sacrificing his body for this team at this point in their build, I mean, Jeffrey Lurie said the word retooling. I just don't see from his end why he would want to be back other than he's a warrior and he's obviously a great player. And maybe he is still playing for, you know, in terms of like wanting to be enshrined in the hall of fame, you know, cause he could kind of use another good season or two to kind of help boost his resume for that. I don't know how much that matters to him personally, especially with a daughter now uh, in his life and you know, prioritizing his family more. Maybe I don't, I don't know where he's at, but, if I were him, I would not continue to play for this team.
2: Yeah, I mean he's, I mean even if you know absent a Hall of Fame, uh, you know enshrinement, he's got he's got everything else. Like he's got a Super Bowl. He's like he's legendary for his speech after the Super Bowl. He's going to have his number retired for sure by the Eagles whenever his career, when his career is over. He's going to be in the Ring of Honor or whatever you call it. So like I mean it's not the worst thing if he doesn't make the Hall of Fame. Like he's he had obviously an awesome career. Uh, anyway, Brandon Brooks will be back uh assuming he has recovered fully from that second achilles tear uh say is, is going to be back uh herbie will probably be back where do you stand
1: on uh matt Pryor? he can be back in camp because he's cheap but uh yeah i don't i don't think he's making the roster not a big Matt Pryor. depending fan. on what they do i mean whatever it's, it's just kind of replacement level uh and i guess we'll end the segment on Matt prior <laughs> Back here on BGN Radio episode 167. Jimmy, we're going to go over some Super Bowl trivia because the Super Bowl was this week. And as of, depending on when you're listening to this, I mean, if you're listening to this on February 4th, then it it will have been three years ago exactly that the Eagles won Super Bowl 52. Happy anniversary. Yeah, yeah, many things have changed since then. But uh, why don't you hit me with some trivia before we make a pick for this year's game? These are of varying difficulty. I have 15 questions here. They do tend to get
2: a little bit. They're all they're all kind of hard, at least. Um, okay. And they'll continue to get harder for the most part as we go along. All right. Start off with some of the, some sort of easy ones. Before we start, how many do you think it, I will get right? <laughs> I'll set the over under. Like if you get if you get nine, I'll be impressed. Okay. How many
1: sacks total did the Eagles and Patriots combine for in the Super Bowl? Um well there's obviously the strip sack so that's one. Mm-hmm. Um I think Nick Foles got sacked a couple of times. I don't think Brady got sacked at all before that, <laughs> did he? Wait, I'm not done. I know what, I didn't I was, just, I was just
2: getting the uh I was getting the <laughs> I was getting
1: the, the the thing ready for when you do get one wrong. That
2: that that did not mean um, anything that you said was wrong.
1: Okay. Yeah. I'm right or say, wrong. i to say I think Foles was sacked two or three times. So I think it's going to so it's I'm going to say it was um four. What was it? It's one total. Oh, that was... You know, I thought Foles got sacked. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, what
2: are the initials of the player who recorded that sack?
1: <laughs> BLG.
2: That is correct. I don't have a correct uh, sound effect. <laughs> this is very... <laughs> not a very high-tech show. Uh, what Patriots offensive lineman did Graham beat before his strip sack of Jack, Mason. Brady? That is correct. Uh, on that sack, we have four questions about that sack, I guess. Um, on that sack, an Australian tele- telecast described Brady yep. as what? As bereft. Uh, continue. On the turf. That is correct. All right, so what do you got?
1: Three here? Three out of four so far.
2: After Tom Brady dropped the pass in the Super Bowl,
1: What did Malcolm Jenkins do slash say to him? He ran up to him. Mm -hmm. He patted him on the butt. And I believe he said, come on, Tom. That's correct. Well done. Uh, Who did
2: Alshon Jeffrey beat for the Eagles' first touchdown?
1: It was Eagles' 2015 second-round pick, Eric Rowe. That is correct. Nelson Eric Eric Rowe. His first name is Nelson. Mm-hmm.
2: All
1: right. Uh, who was <laughs> the referee? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I know his name. I can't. It's uh, the guy who's the analyst now on that's yeah. CBS. That's correct. CBS. Oh, God. I can't think of his name, though.
2: Uh, man. He was He's also a fan. college basketball ref. Like, I remember watching college basketball like, yeah. in the to tournament. And I'm like, oh, that's the NFL yeah. guy.
1: Oh, man. I can't think of his name. If I had multiple choice I'd 100% get it but I just can't think of his name off the top. Of my, I want it's not Dean Blandino. That's the name. That's the only yeah, name He that's wasn't a referee. I know, but but like because he's in the studio that name is like hitting my head for some reason. I know it's not him. Patriots fans very say- unhappy with this guy too. Actually,
2: uh previously Dallas Cowboys fans very What the hell?
1: What? Sorry about that. Uh computer sound to pop up. Yeah, yeah. It's ESPN auto. I'll take the L, but can you give me the initials? Like, I'm I'm getting this wrong, but I want to guess the initial. Once you G give me the initials. S. Oh, Gene Steratore. That's yep. correct, but you get
2: wrong for that one. So. Yep,
1: that's fair. Oh. <laughs> <All> right, <laughs> this is I a totally it. different sound effect. Yeah,
2: what the hell's going on?
1: <laughs> this isn't going well for you. <laughs> no, we're gonna get this right. Sorry, I should give you one because you're messing this up. No, that's wrong. That's the correct I ah, forget
2: it. Alright. <laughs> Rob Gronkowski
1: beat the Eagles beat uh this Eagles defender on both of his touchdowns. Before I answer that, I have a sound effect for your sound effect <laughs> playing ability. And here we go. Oh I messed up. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, Rob Gunkowski beat this same Eagles defender on both of his touchdowns. Both of his touchdowns beat the same guy. <sighs> it was really the same guy. Same okay, guy that was Ronald Darby. That's correct. I thought there was one where like he got beat by Corey Graham. Or, or he was or he Corey was murdering Graham. Graham all game, but
2: the two touchdowns <sighs> came against Darby. Gotcha. Uh, how long was Jake Elliott's clutch field goal to oh, uh, man to
1: extend the lead to eight points in the fourth quarter? <sighs> i man gonna man kicking myself if i don't i think <laughs> it's 46 so i'm gonna say 46 that's correct well done okay uh during the telecast which eagles player gave himself
2: a nickname when the players were introducing themselves and what was the nickname he gave himself uh, of course you and i <laughs> were not watching this on tv yeah i didn't watch the telecast we were,
1: uh, well you never watched the telecast I don't know if I watched the intro, like how, how soon was this? I mean, I mean, I, it's like, you I know, when the game starts and they're like, uh, uh oh, Tom, sorry, Tom Brady, yeah. Michigan, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I totally thought you meant like, like a pregame. No, game no, no, no.
0: Like, this
2: is like during the, te-
1: during the telecast, like, you know how like they introduced themselves. Yep. Like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Terrell Suggs used to be like ball so hard university. <laughs> right. Um, right. Which player? Like, so one, only one player did this. I bet you most of the listeners know the answer to this because they were watching the telecast. I don't know, so I'll take the the wrong, but I want to be given a hint on the side of the ball.
2: It was a special teams player, which is rare. You wow. don't see those guys oh. normally introduce oh, themselves.
1: Oh, damn it. It's freaking Donnie Jones, and it's <laughs> what? Bag of, was it uh, Bag of Bones Donnie Jones? <laughs> it was Donnie Bag of Bones Jones. Yeah. So that's wrong. Uh, on I didn't f- even know they did the special teams players. <laughs> on the
2: Philly special play. Crybaby Patriots fans (laughs) (laughs) complained that who was not lined up correctly and contended that the play should have been flagged for an illegal formation.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I was reading an article about this recently. I don't remember why, but I was looking at how um, SBNation.com did an article for this about how – who was the – what's the – was it um, Al River? What was the – no. Alberto uh, – I think Pereira, actually. I think it was Mike Pereira who – Talked about how that play was like an illegal formation, technically, which was stupid because Alshon Jeffrey checked with the ref right. multiple times, and if the referees had sure... said
2: you're not good, he would have moved up yeah. a step. Like so, it didn't matter. Right. And there was no advantage to, to yeah, him yeah that play. didn't impact the play right. whatsoever. So who was it? So it's, it's Alshon Jeffrey. Oh, okay. Did you say that already? Yeah, but that is correct. Yes, Tom Brady. You have eight right by the way, and three wrong. Tom Brady had how many passing yards? Man, that's. <laughs> I tell <hate laughs> totally you, they get harder as we go along. Um, I mean, I it's a it was, big, it's a big number, obviously. Like, people would know this. Five
1: hundred and sixty-one. That is incorrect. It was five hundred and five. Hmm. That seemed high, but I knew it was in the five hundreds. Yeah. You have three questions left. Yeah. What color was the Gatorade that got dumped on Doug Peterson? It was. I just saw the picture of Andy Reid from last year, and his was orange. That's correct. Um, I actually, so Reid. I only know this because I was like putting together my Super Bowl pick,
2: and I didn't have enough written, so I had to add some filler. So like, I made some other like prop yeah. picks, and uh, I noticed like like we have a we have a partner, um, like uh, like a betting partner, and the lions dot com. Uh, yeah, and they had uh, they had uh, you know odds on what color it would be, and they actually had a history of uh, all the colors it's been since over the, like the last 20 years. So I you know, I obviously
1: went right to the Eagles to see. What, I didn't know the answer to that. I remember I, – I've obviously watched this many times. It was Stephen Means and Kamu Grujay Hill who um, uh, dumped it on him mm-hmm. just like they did in week one. Uh, but it's kind of a tough question just because – from the video, just because the way they dumped it on him was kind of like – Doug was facing he was like parallel with the sideline mm-hmm. he was walking down the sideline like he wasn't walking out towards the field and they splashed him from behind and like so like the Gatorade was coming at the TV you know it was like kind of coming in and uh, It's funny
2: that you know that much detail cuz you're right cuz I went back and watched it too to before the before the before we recorded
1: this podcast so yeah you're right about all that but what was the color I'm getting to it and do you, do you remember who the first person he hugged was <laughs> after he won the Super Bowl yeah, it was defensive line coach Chris Wilson. That's right. Um who wasn't retained by the team. Uh not that off season, but the year later. Like they just let him go. Um anyway. Uh I think I think I'm gonna get screwed here because it's either like purple or blue, and they're like the same kind of color in Gatorade world, like the dark blue, like purplish color. Um I'm gonna say purple. That is incorrect. It was what yellow.
2: Okay. Question number fourteen. What two players dumped the Gatorade on Doug?
1: <laughs> All right, so I got it. I thought that was going to be in there. Twice and seven. question
2: number 15. Who was the first person Doug Peterson hugged after the yep. game was over? <laughs> See? Boom. All right, so you got 15. Oh no! You got sorry. You got ten out of fifteen. I was like, wait, what? You got
1: ten. You got ten out of fifteen. So 67. So I surpassed your expectations. Sixty-seven percent. Yes, you did well. Good job. And the ones I didn't get, if I had a hint, like I got them. You know, I wasn't like totally like in the dark. You should like I was, have. Gotten, I was in the so ballpark.
2: The ones that you should have gotten,
1: you should have gotten Gene's territory, in my opinion. I should have. I just couldn't think of it. I thought the forty-six yards was good.
2: Yeah, I guess uh, ten is
1: about right. Can you name – here's a random one for you that's okay. so, like, inconsequential. Can you name the safety that the Eagles signed who used to play for the Bills who was on the Eagles roster that season in 2017? They had to sign him because, like, Rodney McCod was hurt. Corey Graham. Well, Corey Graham was hurt too, but it's not him. Oh, they had to sign him because of what? I think Corey Graham was hurt too. Like, Corey Graham got hurt well, in Well, he the played for the Bills. Game. Yeah, but this is a different safety <laughs> who played okay. for the Bills – and he was on the, I think he was on the roster for maybe like one game. And he Eagles actually brought this player back. Was it last? Not. It was like 2019 training camp. I thought they they brought him back. It was a safety. This is so like such a useless question. Yeah. But I like uh, this as a. I always like to like. I like the random members of the Super Bowl team. You this know, is like
2: a, this is like a Zach Berman. He's, it's a, you're he's, not going to get it. He's
1: great at these questions. Who is it? It's Trey Elston. Trey, yeah, yeah, okay. What about uh, the former? Giants Super Bowl champion who was on the Eagles roster during when they won the Super Bowl. Oh, that Bowl. was Will Beatty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who, who was the linebacker that uh, joined this, the team late in the season that ended up playing in the Super Bowl for the Eagles? Wait, wait, say that again? And in the playoffs. There was a linebacker that they signed. Veteran linebacker yeah. that they signed. Uh, Danelle Ellerby. Yep. I like little things like that.
2: The uh, So, Will Beatty. I remember him from like during the, the media – one of the media days. Actually, I think it was just the one – We you just have one media day like in that big room? Was it just one day that they had that where you can go around to any table where the players are sitting?
1: That was like almost – that was multiple days. Okay. Well, was, in the mall itself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there were multiple days. <laughs> so
2: there was one day. I was doing some kind of story actually on that, like the players that had previously played in Super Bowls for other teams that they had just acquired. And he was sitting at the same table with Brandon Brooks, and Brandon Brooks was, you know, he was being interviewed by a few people and talking like at length about his anxiety or whatever. And Will Beatty was like, "You should pay. You should be paying attention to this. Like, don't worry about me." And I'm like, "I already know <laughs> all this. Like, we we're, like we cover the team every day. Like, I know all. I know the whole anxiety story. It's great. Brandon Brooks is the man. Very inspirational. I just got to ask you like a dumb question about like you." <laughs> <laughs> like if you want to listen to this, I'll come back. But like, <laughs> I I can't sit here and listen to this again. I have to interview people. I'm sorry, sorry Will. <laughs> but he was like that was a he uh, was like adamant that I sit down and listen to Brandon Brooks's story. I'm Like I already know it, man.
1: <laughs> so heartless to me yeah. that you don't care about Brandon Brooks. That was a uh, that what a week that was. That was definitely a uh, a memorable week. Oh, of course, week leading – As we discussed earlier in the day, pre-podcast, of course,
2: the year the Eagles go to the Super Bowl, it has to be in Minneapolis of all places instead of like New Orleans or Miami or like this year, Tampa or L.A., San Diego used to be in a lot back in the day when the Chargers played there. Nope. We get Minneapolis. Thanks, NFL. Good job. And thanks, Eagles, for winning it that year that they play in
1: Minneapolis. Good job, guys. Thanks. What are (laughs) some of your favorite memories from that week? Brian Westbrook <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was definitely gonna mention that. No comment uh, on that one. Uh, well, I'll just say that Jimmy and I were at the Super Bowl media uh, night thing that they have each year, non pandemic times when they have uh, the Super Bowl. They have like a media night uh, just for the media, and it's like it's like a party basically, like and there was like free beer and food and stuff. And we hung out with Ike Reese and Brian Westbrook for uh, a little bit there. Ike, of fun. course, we know well because we see him around all
2: the time at like games and practices and stuff. Westbrook yep. less so. So yes. it was cool hanging out with both of those guys. And uh, No big deal to us. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It was just cool drinking with those guys.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was just like, you know, just shooting the S with yeah. them. It was yeah. fun. Uh, there was that. I liked um, exploring the city a little bit. Uh, not too much, obviously. It was snowy, but uh, I got to Matt's Bar to get the Juicy Lucy. They had some of those Juicy Lucys catered, too, from uh, the other place. Um, God, I'm, for- I'm forgetting what it was. But uh, it's those hamburgers with the cheese stuffed inside of them. Okay. Uh, big fan of those. It was um, brutally cold there that whole week. Like Really cold. I remember waking, I out, up, oh.
2: waking up one morning and like checking the temperature on my like, yeah. Excuse me, taking the temperature on my phone, and it was like it said zero. I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> it's like balmy today. Because you wake up normally it'd be like minus fifteen, and like you'd look at the yep. wind and it'd be like you know, like fifteen miles an hour, which just feels like your face is being ripped off when you're out in that. So I mean, we don't have to like go anywhere really. Like there were like four hotels that were sort of almost kind of connected or close enough to it to the Mall of America parking lot they had all like the super bowl media stuff uh, actually in the mall of america so and they actually had like shuttles that took you from the hotel to the mall even though it was just a parking lot to walk through and thank god they had those because i again like like 2 300 yards walking through the parking lot in that well it was longer for me where i was staying okay i mean it was uh, it was it was the coldest weather that i've experienced in my
1: life over the course of like a week anyway I walked home one of those days, even though it was like a walk for me. It was like, I, I, thankfully I lived, um, but it, it was pretty cold. Um, <laughs> we sound like such uh, babies, but it, I mean, it really was like crazy cold there all week. One of the things, I don't even know if this is interesting, but I went to this place called like the Blue Door or something. They had Juicy Lucy's there. I wanted to try different ones. I, I asked people, I think, for recommendations when I was there and like people weighed in. Like people who live there, I kind of wanted to get recommendations for them. So anyway, I go to this place, um, like a bar slash restaurant on a. I think it might have been the Friday night I was there, and I was just there by myself. I think I asked you. I tried to ask some people, like if they, if they were up to anything, but everyone like big timey, and I didn't want to hang out with me. <laughs> I didn't so go. I didn't go anywhere the entire week. I was pretty much writing the entire week. And then I think you were somewhere. I think you went to like a different part of Minnesota. No, I didn't go. I didn't go something. anywhere at all the entire well, week. Well, then you lied to me when you. <laughs> no, said I mean you I was just anyway. in my room. Yeah. Um, I, I went to this place, and it's one of the funnier experiences I've had eating at a restaurant because they they sat me. It's like one of those places that has long table seating, mm-hmm. like so you're sitting different parties at one big giant right. long table. And they have I was some of those at like be- Xfinity, don't they? Uh, maybe, yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, so I was sitting between two different couples who were like, I, they swear they had to be on like first dates because I was like <laughs> awkward, <laughs> and I'm sitting like. In between them, with no one in front of me, and like I was like hearing them both talk, and I was like, "Oh man, this is like so. <laughs> this is like so strange." And it was, it was kind of packed. It was a packed place. Um, that was that I always remember that. I just like put my headphones in, started listening to. They're a podcast, on like a bumblebee. Was, like, yeah, like it was like it was just really. It's like man, this is. uh I just feel weird right now. So, uh, <laughs> so it was fun, you know. Obviously, Uh I always remember too, the Friday before the super bowl i got like super emotional that day um watching a bunch of old rocky videos and i, I don't know like it, it it started to hit me that's that's when it started to really hit me like the eagles are in the super bowl and on the the flight out to minnesota i wrote my article titled like the eagles are going to win the super bowl basically mm-hmm. like because I, I felt so confident, like there was not a single doubt in my mind. I always say the only time I doubted the Eagles were going to win the Super Bowl is when Tom Brady and the Patriots got the ball back before Brandon Graham stri- strip sacked him. Mm-hmm. At that point, I was like, "Oh no!" Because we had seen it the year before, you know, with the Falcons blowing it right. and the Patriots coming back against them. Like Tom Brady is invincible in that situation. So uh, that's the only point where I started to lose faith. And I thought the Eagles like I mean, they were just too des- they were
2: destroying them all game too.
1: Like yeah. Heels had, yeah. No, Eagles had they, no answers for their offense. They didn't force a single punt <laughs> in the game. Johnny <laughs> right. Jones is the only one who punted in the game. Um, yeah, so it just really hit me that day. I always uh, think about that. And so uh, if I get the chance, I don't know how it's working exactly, but for the SB Nation NFL show this week, we've been doing kind of uh, these roundtables with Bucks and Chiefs writers in t- addition to the other coverage we're doing. And I kind of want to like check in with them because that's always an interesting thing to me, just like the emotional feel they about it. They did get Especially, to go, right? Uh, I don't know. Okay, for sure. Um, but just you know, from a perspective of like the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl last year. Like, I can't even imagine what that feels like. Like to go to Super Bowls back to back, yeah, and feel good about winning it. And the uh the Bucks who haven't been in a very long time. Um, so and and with a quarterback too that like isn't their guy. Like he's he's their guy now, you know. But like it's not like we'll a never be known to play in a Buccaneer when his career. Yeah, was so long it's kind of like it. Yeah. It's just like an interesting dynamic and feel so uh, but yeah so that's, that's those are some of the things that stick out for me. But speaking of the Super Bowl Jimmy, this year, who do you have? I got
2: the uh, Chiefs Chiefs are what mine I've seen it like minus three and also minus three and a half and we'll say uh, minus three. like I, I mean, I think it's just simple like I, I I'm mad at myself for like picking against them <laughs> like during the AFC championship game. I' I've haven't, been haven't picked against the Chiefs the entire year. And then AFC Championship game, I just decided, oh, all of a sudden, Patrick Mahomes is going to be bothered by this turf toe, And (laughs) I justified reasons that the Bills could beat them and their secondary could maybe slow down their their weapons on offense. And I picked the Bills and that was dumb Uh, because the Chiefs have the best football player on the planet in Mahomes. They have like the fastest guy in the NFL, maybe in Tyreek Hill. They have a highly athletic tight end who just destroys the middle of the field and Travis Kelsey. And they have all these other weapons on offense that are just super fast Like I mean, there's just so few defenses. Really, no defense can really match up with that offense when it's at its best and it's healthy and it's clicking, and that seems to be what they are. And Patrick Mahomes, um, six playoff games that he has started and finished, they haven't scored fewer than 31 points in any one of those games. And for me, it's just like I'm not going to overthink it. Like they just – their offense is just like – insanely good and they're not going to get stopped like you're not just going to stop them for 60 minutes in a football game Like the one the one team that like kind of did a little bit was the 49ers in the Super Bowl last year they held them down a little bit for the first uh, three quarters or so and then the Chiefs just totally blew their doors off offensively in the fourth quarter wound up winning that game by 11 so again I'm just not going to overthink it I think the Bucks are good certainly they have a good defense they have Tom Brady, of course. They have a lot of very good skill players on offense. They have good offensive line even. But they just don't have that elite unit uh, on the one side of the ball that the Chiefs do on their offense. And I have the Chiefs to win and cover that three-point
1: spread. If you listen to the SB Nation NFL show that I'm on on Tuesdays, the Oddcast, the off-day debrief with Rob Stats and me and I, I've been picking the Bucks since they won the NFC Championship game and that's because I am a spiteful person who does not want the Buccaneers <laughs> to win. Right. So I am trying to put the whammy on them by saying they are definitely going to win this game, and it's not even going to be close because uh, I really don't want to see that happen. I really don't want the Bucs to win. Am I going to be ecstatic if the Chiefs win? No, but I'll be like, okay, whatever, fine. Uh, if the Bucks win, I'm going to be like, man, like, no, come on, that sucks. So I really hope the Chiefs win, and I hope I'm wrong, but I'm going to take the Bucs to win because that way if they do... I was right. It's,
2: like, rare that, like, a team has a chance to repeat as a champion and still
1: most people want them to win.
2: <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: It's like, I didn't want them to, like, prior to this game. Yeah, like, well, right. Because I thought it would be boring. Right. I, I wasn't, like, I wasn't going to be mad if they won, but, like, I, I just didn't want to see it happen. Sure. But this is the outcome where I was like, no. Well, of course, yeah. Nobody wants Tom
2: Brady to win. <laughs>
1: But it's he's r- had it's, such a. You, it's
2: like I'm just saying it's rare that like you want you would want a, a team to repeat given
1: w- when you know the matchup comes out. Final thoughts. Uh, this came up while we were podcasting. Jimmy a- Andy Reid confirmed in a question asked by Jeff McLean that the Eagles never formally requested to interview offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. The quote mm-hmm. was: "There was nothing formally put in." Do you have any final thoughts on that? I don't know. Like they we, probably we- weren't going to have the time. You know, like. They would have to. They would have had to have waited till the Chiefs were done to interview them, right?
2: Yeah, that. Well, there was a window, Other than there a was virtual... a window when they could have interviewed them like earlier but in the process. Like, That's
1: what they did with. Yeah,
2: it would have been tight because they were, you know, the last team to fire their coach. The Eagles were, of course, so they got their coaching search underway a little bit later. So I can't speak like off the top, like on the spot, off the top of my head on when that window of opportunity would have been and how realistic it would have been able to interview him, not only interview him, but give the enemy himself time to put together, you know, sort of a plan on, you know, whatever. Uh, but they didn't really have a rush to hire a guy though, either, because it was just them and the Texans that were left mm-hmm. when they hired a guy. I don't know if the Texans were necessarily hot on the Nick Sirianni trail. I can't speak to that in, at all. So I don't or know. The enemy I mean,
1: trail for that matter. Yeah.
2: So, well, they were, um, reportedly interested in him though, weren't they at some point, or at least it was speculated that he would go there. Like, I know that a lot of people thought that if he went there, then uh, maybe, uh, you know, it would make Deshaun Watson happier than he was at the time. But I, don't, I mean, I don't know how legit that was. I know that people are speculating about that, but I mean, we talked in the last, I think it was the last podcast, about how the Eagles haven't hired a, an African American coach in you know since basically Ray Rhodes was the head coach during the during the uh, uh, 1998 season. And excuse me, that is my alarm to take my amoxicillin. Uh, anyway, uh, and during that span, the, like, since the last time they hired an African American, an Af- an African American coach, they haven't hired an African American coach to be their head coach. Offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, or GM. Uh, since then, I think there's been like 22 people that have held any of those four positions uh, during that span. So I don't think it's a great look. Certainly that they didn't put in a request to hire Bienemy, who I think it was very widely regarded as one of the you know clear candidates to probably land a, a head coaching job. It's like you don't even want to talk to him and see what he has to offer. That seems kind of strange. So, like, I think Jeffrey Lurie is, like, a good person, and certainly he's not, like, I don't, you know, I I, I don't think, like, there's anything, um, like, malicious going on
1: here or anything like that. But uh, it it does strike me as odd that they wouldn't at least want to see what he has to say. All right. Well, this has been BGN Radio 167. Subscribe, rate, review, all those good things. Jimmy, we're only three ratings away on the Espanish NFL show from 100. Uh, ratings total, not even just reviews. So, if you don't want to leave a review, I mean, I, I'd appreciate if you did, but if you just want to click the five stars, it takes like 10 seconds. Jimmy, you yourself should do it again. It's like that's on the Espionation show, yeah. Just five stars, boom. Point, What's save. it called? Like, if I, were uh, to, if I were to search for it on like the podcast, the Espionation NFL show, okay. Just uh, five stars. I want to get to 100 before the Super Bowl ends because then it'll be like, oh, we made it through the season, the first full season uh, with 100 views. So that'd be nice if we could do that. Check out Right to Sellen Craft Jerky by going to Right to Sell using discount code BGN15. Check me out at BleedingGreenNation.com. Check Jimmy Kemsky out at PhillyVoice.com. Check me out on Twitter at Brandon Gatton, Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. Use hashtag BGN Super Bowl game if you want to weigh in on the results maybe that you got from your scores unless I ruined it for you because I got ahead with some of the questions but uh, tweet at us and let us know if you liked it you listened to it and we will talk to you next time bye bye BGN
0: more to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.
1: Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do.